0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta,
1: visit www.bethelatlanta.com.
2: And one is with Michael and Jen Coots, and in Mexico, (laughs) and and they're here today just to share what some of what God is doing. Now she was a Bassham student. He's a was an attorney in Atlanta for five years, and God called him out of that. They had a journey to Iris Ministries, where they, and they're part of Iris Ministries. This is their home church, but they're over covered by Iris and Heidi Baker. We're so proud of them. God is doing some amazing things. And what happened in the first service is just faith rising in the room, ton of healing at the end of the service, lots of fun. Would you guys welcome... A warm Bethlehem Atlanta welcome, Mike and Jen Coots. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> Hello. It's good to see you. Um, I'm Michael, and this is Jen. Jen. Um, Man, the first service, there was just something about healing, and I had at least three or four people come up and say that the people they prayed for got healed, so I hope there's faith and expectation right now, because we're going to be sharing testimonies of what God is doing around the world right now, um, not what He did in the past, but what He's doing today, and there's something available for you here if you're here tonight. If you came tonight, God is going to give you something, and um, I believe there's also just a release of healing, not only to receive it, but also to move in the gifts of healing and working in miracles, so... I hope the faith, you have faith. Um, again, my name is Michael Kutz, and this is Jennifer Kutz, and our baby is over there in the corner, Chloe. <laughs> she was born in Mexico on March 30th, so she's a Mexican-American um, missionary baby. Um, she, uh, yeah, she was born in Cuernavaca, Morelos, so it was quite an experience. Um, Jennifer, yeah, <laughs> it was. Anyways, my wife gave birth in Mexico. I like to tell everybody that. It's pretty awesome. Um, well, I want to give a little background because some of you don't know us. We know some of you, and we have visitors here that are friends from other churches who've come down. There were some at the first service, so welcome. Um, uh, I, I think I'll start with, I said last, last the earlier service, that kind of how our connection is to Bethel. Um, Jennifer, actually, in 2012, had, been, had just done the world race. She'd been all over, she'd been spent like six months in India, four months in India and in Nicaragua and Honduras and lived all over. And I had kind of gone to college, law school, and then I was practicing law in Atlanta. And Jen was called to come to Atlanta in, I think, 2012, specifically to work with a ministry called Nightlight, which works with women in human trafficking, ex, uh, sexual exploitation, and to be part of Bethel, Atlanta. So, um, we didn't know each other at that time. Um, I'm not, I, I told this in the first service, but I really think it's awesome. My first experience at Bethel Land, I came down with some friends to visit and we were at the ABC building and there was just awesome worship going on. I was like, this is awesome. I, I was just telling Kyle Wishing that I remember that the, everybody would dance around the worship band in the front and it was great. I was like, this is just like a family. And um, I was standing in the back and I remember Scott Thomas was preaching and then Hector Caban walked up to me and he put his hand on my chest and I didn't know who this man was. I found out later, and all of a sudden, I'm on my chair. Like, I felt backwards, and I felt weight all over me, and I felt like tingling in my arms, and I'd never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was my first experience, was at Bethel Atlanta on July 1st, 2012, and, and um, so it was, it's a very special place for me starting then, and I, and I didn't, that wasn't even my home church then. I would just come down to visit because I knew something was happening here, um, and then Jennifer, I met Jennifer actually the same year we were, because I went and started serving with Nightlight Ministries, and there's a lot of people in Bethel who have served with Nightlight at some point, point. Um, and there were a lot of people in the first service, and we would go out to the streets of Atlanta, some of those dangerous areas of Atlanta, we'd go out like crazy people, full of the Holy Spirit, praying for the sick, until like 2 a.m., and we'd see guns, we'd see knives, we saw all kinds of stuff. But we'd see the glory of God come out in the streets and we saw God really touch people. And that's how I met my wife. <laughs> we were both serving in that ministry. And, um, and, we, and I remember when we were serving, um, I, I, one day she was like, well, what's your, what are you called to? And I was like, well, I feel called to the nations. And she was like, me too. And I'm like, oh, okay, take note of that. And then a few months later we were dating. And then a year later, uh, after uh, marriage counseling with Blake and April Healy and Justin Stogman, married and then a year later we decided it's time to to go and we uh, we kind of like well let's just look let's do the the right thing and look at all the different ministries that are out there so we looked at YOM and all these really good organizations and we always fall back on Iris because we're like well I mean Iris is the same DNA as us they're just the presence and you know the glory and miracles I don't know if any of you most of you probably know about Iris ministries but it's a a movement in Mozambique and it's actually like revival Uh, Heidi and Roland Baker are the leaders and they started in 1995, and now there's a, it's like a 60% Christian nation. When they went, it was like 1% Christian. So it's like, if you've never studied Heidi Baker or watched her videos, like, I really encourage you to do so. Read her books. It will, like, literally change your life and how you do things. And um, we knew that. So we were like, well, we know we're going to go to Iris. And so we did. So we, I quit my job of five years working as a lawyer. As I represented large financial institutions that many of you would know. And I was in a high-rise in Midtown. And we had what everybody would say is the, the good life, and, but we felt the call, and we felt like it was time to say yes, so we, we sold our cars, we sold everything, and we went to Mozambique and we did school for three months, got wrecked. Um, some of you don't know what that means, but we just, the Lord, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's a very, it's, it's, a, it, it's a developing world. It, it makes Mexico feel very like developed, honestly, um, but it, there's just something when you're in the dirt and the dust and the heat that God just shows up, and I can't explain it, but you, you just, you experience God's goodness, and his glory, and intimacy with him, and you feel like you can change the world when you leave. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's, a, it's a revival going on. I mean, it's a true revival, modern-day revival. Like, we know about revivals of the past, but there is revival going on in this world, and it's in Mozambique right now, and other parts, like India and China, but in Mozambique, there's a true revival happening. So, we got to experience that, and then we went to Mexico because we felt called to Latin America and see I, I felt, received the call from the Lord at least felt like the Lord told me to go to Latin America when I went on a, uh, a global um, mission awareness trip with Life Hetland's Ministry in 2013 not I wasn't a part of Bethel then but I just knew Life took teams to Cuba and that's where I felt the call to go to Latin America so I, I have ties to this church even when I wasn't going here for a few years and I knew a lot of people here and had connections but um, so we went to Mexico. Um, we went, we landed in Mexico. We saw, in two weeks in Mexico, we saw more miracles than we saw the whole three months in Mozambique. More healing miracles, more salvation. I mean, it was just everything. We were like, what's happening here? Like, this is just, this is the country right below America. It's not far away. And God is doing something like I've never seen before. And we went home to the States for a, th- a few months, prayed about it, and said, like, we're going back to Mexico. Like, that's where, that's where we're going to go. You know, God is doing something there. We want to be part of revival. And that's what, I mean, I love seeing my brother Luis. He was here earlier. We were, I was, we were just talking about it because he and I, or we feel like God is calling Mexico into something. And I, and I believe it's gonna start down there and it's gonna, it's gonna affect America. It's gonna be like provoke America to jealousy because there's just gonna be something so pure and, and powerful happening down there. And they've never experienced the global move of God ever. Mexico never has. And, it's been, and so we believe that God is truly doing something down there um, powerful. Um, and I'm going to share some stories. I'm going to share testimonies of healings, testimonies of favor with government. And But first, um, Jen's going to share the ministry that's the closest to her heart and some stories from this
1: ministry. So um, one of the ministries that we were really excited to get started doing in Mexico was Outreach to Prostitutes. And at first, our connection was through a pastor. We would go to a red—it's called an area called a red zone in our town, and it's an area where prostitution's legal. Um, it's like an enclosed street. Um, about 120 women work there. There's bars. There's people coming and going, um, but it's known that that is an area of prostitution. So we originally were going with a pastor, and then that door closed, and then now we're able to go with the, um, there's like a new authority over the area, and they, um, for some reason, they just love our ministry and are so excited to have us come. And even the woman who's in charge is always asking us to pray for her. And we'll share to um, the women working there and the woman in charge will then get up and get the microphone and talk about how much she loved it. And it's really, really special. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Where else was going with that? Um, okay, so when we started back in January, um, what, when the new authorities took over, um, we met up with this woman um, named Maria, who we'd prayed for about a year earlier, the first time we came. Am, am I? Is this timeline making sense to everybody? Okay. So we'd prayed for her, she had a migraine and she'd gotten healed the first time we came to Mexico. She asked us to pray for her son who had gone missing. When we came back a year later, she told us that her son had come home a couple months after, the, after we'd met her. Um, and she asked us, you know, a few months later if we could go and pray for him and his wife. And so some of our team members went to his house, prayed for him, he got saved, his wife got saved. They started coming to one of the local churches that we're part of. Um, and then his wife is getting up, showing testimonies about what God is doing in her life, how he's delivering her, just how God is changing her family. And then a week, a few weeks ago, our last visit before we came here, she, the, the mom, Maria, was asking us... Um, if we could help her find a job, saying that she was ready to leave prostitution. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) We've also had, every time we have teams, we have people coming in and sharing testimonies, aside from our team going every couple of weeks. um, I guess we've had three teams now come and share testimonies and preach. The Bethel School of Ministry came and did an amazing job um but we've had women getting saved uh this past this past time we went we had six women getting saved we had women asking for bibles sitting outside their doors just reading their bible um so God's doing something there and we would love prayer for connections for how to get these women out a lot of them are there just because they have no other they don't see another option for themselves for how to support themselves and their families so we're in the process of making connections to help women come out. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to share with you guys. Michael's going to share some more testimonies about what's going on. Okay. <laughs>
0: one of the, one of the um, phrases or mottos that Heidi Baker says is go low and go slow. And it really means... When you come to minister to people, you need to get down their level and you need to move really slowly. You're not coming in to save the day. That's why my wife is amazing at this ministry because she comes with so much compassion and she doesn't frighten them off. She doesn't come in guns ablaze and she just comes and gets to know the women and she's formed bonds with them. And here's another, I forgot this story. When we went to register our baby um, in our little town, like 50,000 people, hot, it's like 105 degrees. We're sitting in this line to register the baby. They'd never registered two like a foreign or a Mexican born baby that has international parents in this town. So they didn't know what to do. And the woman sitting next to Jen with her baby to register was talking to the pastor that was with us to be our witness and said, I know them. And we were like, she was like, well, how do you know? Them? She goes, oh, I know them from my job, my job. And she, she was like, they, you've prayed for my, my, one of my kids before and they got healed and I'm not going back to my job anymore. That was the day we were registering our baby. <laughs> so... I think you understand what I'm saying, but it was, um, it's so, it's like the fruit that our good God gives us, those little kisses from heaven that's like, you're doing the right thing, you know, and it just, because that type of ministry is very slow. You, you don't just come in and start pulling people out, because they'll just go right back in when they need money or when things are tough, and we learn that from doing it on the streets of Atlanta. It takes years of relationship, identity, you know, realizing that God is good, that you're, he's not putting you here, and that, we just are constantly going that way, so That's one of our big ministries. Um, I shared this testimony earlier, but I want to share it again because it's just amazing. Um, uh, We had favor with the police and the government a few years ago, but the door closed. So um, we've been praying for it to open again just because in Mexico, the police aren't viewed as favorably as they are here in the States. Just there's... People that, uh, there, is, there is, I believe there is corruption. Um, there's a right for us, but I don't think it's always the case because we have police that come to our churches. Um, but, but generally, the, the public views the, the police with distrust, and that's a problem. Therefore, imagine that. No one likes you, really. I mean, the people don't trust you, and they don't like you. And so when we had a door open to go minister to the police, we took it. And they said, hey, we're gonna give you an hour and you can do whatever you want. You can teach whatever you want. You can preach whatever you want. They can, they're going to come by their own choice, but we're going to ask them together. And we, gave, we distributed rice so they could have something tangible to take home. And we had Bibles. So we went in there and there's probably, like, I'd say between 20 and 30 police officers sitting around. and none of, I, have, um, Most of them are not um, born again believers. They might profess to be Catholic or no or, or, or God, but most of them do not have a relationship with Jesus, just to make that clear. Um, so when we go in there, You know, we're like, what do we even do with this? I don't, don't, you know, because we have all these policemen. And so my friend Arturo preaches a message on the love of the Father. Just God is good. He's a loving Father. He loves you. He's not angry at you. Just a simple message that we've heard a lot here, but the world has not heard. (laughs) And it changes. So that started changing the environment. Then we did a little worship, and that started changing the environment more. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I was like, Arturo, do you think I can, like, pray for the healing? He's like, yeah, go for it. So I was like, I think so. I think so. So I had to explain what that was. Like, okay, so this sounds weird, but I feel like the Lord is telling me that there's somebody, he's gonna heal some people. And there's a person that has like a, it's somebody with a shoulder, that's like your left shoulder, it's at the top. And no one was responding. And I was like, okay, like, you don't just, it means God wants to heal you now. And this lady kind of timidly raised her hand. Oh, that's me. And so we prayed for like once or twice and she got healed right there in front of everyone. And so then it's like all these hands are shooting up that want healing in the whole room, of course. (laughs) Because when God is there, people want it. I mean, when he shows up, it, you can't run away like you have to have it so people are starting to you know people were, healing is flowing and so there's a man sitting in the middle of the room and I mean migraines are getting healed pain in head I mean there's it was all kinds of things getting healed and I mean I think everybody we prayed for get healed like we had a team of like five or six and they're like oh yeah everybody I prayed for got healed them you know it's like and these are most of them are not believers so they're not just telling us this to make us feel good they could care less they're truly healed God's truly touching them well, there's a man sitting in the middle with a cane. He's kind of hunched over. And I, I was like, can, we, can I pray for you? He goes, yeah, I'd like to pray for healing. So I, he just said he had something wrong with his back. So me and my friend Giovanni, who's another missionary, put our hands on his back and said, you know, be healed in Jesus' name. You know, dis, line up or whatever. We just started commanding healing. And you felt immediately his back got so hot. It felt like an iron. Like it felt like I was touching like a, a clothes iron. It was scalding. And I go, well, do you, are you feeling anything right now? He goes, a lot of heat in my back. And I was like, that's good. <laughs> We're gonna keep praying. So he prayed one more time. And then I was like, how are you feeling? And he just was kind of, you know, disheveled. He's, kinda like, he's like, the pain is gone. And he stands up and I go, well, what could you do that you couldn't do earlier? And he said, he handed me his cane and started jumping up and down. And said, I haven't done this in three years. <laughs> and you can see the emotion on his face. And he's saying like, and he said, I've had nights where I've stayed up my wife up crying and I'm in excruciating pain cause I've got so much pain in my back. I can't walk without this cane. And, you can, and he runs out and starts calling his wife and he's just, oh, you can see his face cause God touched him. He was changed in a moment. And it was funny cause like that day we were promoting the Bethel school ministry team was coming and, we, and Justin was gonna be doing a marriage conference. So he handed all these flowers for marriage conference, hoping maybe a policeman will come, but probably not. Well, at the marriage conference, we have like 250, 300 pastors and their wives are all in there. And this guy comes up to me all smiling and he's got his, this woman with him and an older woman with him. And he's like, hey, and he hugs me. And I'm like, is this a pastor? I don't know who this guy is. Like, well, you know, he's, he seems to know me. And he's like, this is my wife and this is my, my mother-in-law. And I'm like, okay. And I'm watching him from across the room. and I'm like, that's the policeman that got healed. He came to a Bethel marriage conference and he gave his life to Jesus in that conference. Justin felt like the unction to do an altar call at this pastor's meeting or this marriage conference and like five or six people got saved including this man then he went to the front and shared his testimony in front of the whole group of people and just telling about how God touched him and healed him and his wife's crying so needless to say our door with the police is wide open and when they keep asking us to come back and they don't care what we preach on we preach on Anything, Jesus, the cross, and they're like just happy to have it. And people keep coming back and now they bring other people that are sick and other family members that are sick. And it's pretty amazing. And now it's great because I recognize some of them on the streets and some of them will kind of, they'll call you over and they want you to pray for something for them. So it's, it's pretty awesome you know, when you have that favor. And, and that's actually opened our favor up with the mayor's office. Um, and so we were actually given permission a few months ago to go with the like, it's kind of like the, Well, it's like a government organization that distributes like food and it's kind of like a welfare program, but they go to the poorest neighborhoods. The mayor met with us and gave us permission to go and distribute bags of rice in the the six poorest neighborhoods in our county. And we could preach on whatever we wanted. The government gave us permission to do that. (laughs) It's amazing, right? And at one of those meetings, um, we were were, were praying for the sick and usually a government official would come and most of them are not Christians. They're just coming to make sure that everything's going orderly and I, I, I was preaching the gospel and I said who would like to receive Jesus and the government official in the back raised her hand and was crying and she gave her life to the Lord so it's pretty amazing um I, I tell these stories and I, I'm, and I start thinking about it and I'm like man God is good right <laughs> and um and I want to share these stories with you because it's not just for Mexico it's for here in Atlanta as well like we see we see miracles here in Atlanta you just go for it um uh, people ask me, "Well, how you see a lot of healing." I'm like, "Do you understand that for like for like six months I prayed for healing for people all over Atlanta and didn't see healing? Like I'd be in gas stations praying for people, I'd be in the streets praying for people, and none of them got mad at me." that didn't get healed, they just said, thanks for praying for me or thanks for caring. And then that one person got healed six months later and then after that, it started increasing. But I I believe you can build a history of the Lord where you just, you're faithful to the word that you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover and you don't let your lack of experience challenge that because the truth is God wants to heal. We believe that, that's a core tenet of Bethel. God wants to heal, that's his desire. And when you believe that and don't make up a, a doctrine of why he didn't heal or not and just say, well, I don't know why he didn't but God loves you and I'm gonna keep praying with you you're going to see more healing. I promise you. <laughs> You'll see it. Um, and we see it. We get to see it, the fruit of it in Mexico. And honestly, in Mexico and Africa, one thing that I've experienced, you don't have to convince them there's a spiritual realm. You don't have to say, well, there's, you know, you know, these things called demons. No, they know that. Like it's just, the, the, it's life. Like it's, it's it, so that, it's only easy for them to realize, oh, there's a good God that likes me and wants to heal me. So that kind of helps break that a little bit. But I believe that it's coming here too. I believe that, God is doing it, and I believe that this church is gonna see it, and I believe that even after tonight, there's gonna be an increase in healing in this church, so um, we are a representation of Bethel Atlanta out there, and our breakthrough is your breakthrough. Our testimonies are your testimonies, so grab a hold of them. Um, I want to share a story about, um, uh, I shared this over Christmas just a little bit, but I wanted to get, it's kind of, the story's kind of increased. Um, We had a man that came to, one of our first weeks when we were in Mexico, this man shows up at a meeting, and he's, like, very drunk, and one of the leaders of the church took him to a pastor's meeting. He's like, I didn't know where else to take him. So he brings this guy who's very big, very angry and drunk swinging into our service. And we were like, okay, let's just go, let's go pray with him. And um, some of our leaders went over and prayed with him. And I didn't really see like kind of what happened. I heard it was pretty, pretty wild. And then I kind of just went home that day. And like two weeks later, I'm at church and they bring this guy up. And he's like, do you remember me? I'm like, no. He's like, I was the guy that was drunk with my shirt off. I haven't been drunk since. He just... <laughs> He he got freed and delivered and saved all in once in one meeting. And for two weeks, he hadn't drank. And he looked like a different person, like smiling. He was happy. I mean, he just looked like a different person. Well, that guy now, a year and, gosh, three months later, he's still clean. He's still sober. And he's still leading the charge in evangelism out to the streets of Mexico. He's one of those oaks of righteousness, you know. He's one of those... And I believe he's, he's, a, he's a, what's coming into the church. Here too, it's not gonna be just the pretty put together people. It's the, it's the prostitutes, it's the, it's the alcoholics, it's the, it's the people from the streets, it's the police officers, the people that disenfranchised. They're gonna be coming in and we gotta be ready for it, guys. Like we gotta be ready and just, I mean, here, this church is not, we welcome people, you know, but there's a lot of churches out there that don't. So we just have got to like love them, man. Just love them because we can love them literally back to life and into a new person. Like it's, we see it. We see it all the time. And this guy, Nacho, he, he's, he's contagious, like he goes around just, you see him, he's, he sells chicken out in the street and he's just up there, got people all around him, kids all around him, and his, his wife got saved, all his kids got saved. Every week he brings new people to church and they get saved, Anytime, any person he brings to church, he looks at me, kind of like gives me this wink and I'll preach a gospel message and that person gets saved. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm not coercing them, I just tell them the good news, like that Jesus loves them and he died for them and if you want that, you know, grab a hold. And they, you, always every time they get saved. Well, he's got two of his old drinking buddies have now gotten saved because they came to church because they're like we got to see what's going on like this guy this, is, this guy's a, it's been a year now we believe and they came they got saved and he told me that like after a month they, th- those two were not drinking at all either and they were involved in the church and then I, we've been praying like God and me and the pastor were praying very dangerous prayers <laughs> Lord please bring these people into the church bring them into the church when you pray those prayers guess who's coming into the church so one day, I'm, this is like the week before we came back to the States. So like right at the end of June, I'm up there preaching. And we just did this whole series on, I mean, we did like 20 teachings on the Father's heart and spirit of sonship and inner healing. And I did deliverance, and generational curses. And we were just cleaning house, you know, for the whole church. We wanted them to be out there ministering. And I was going to finish with like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just my experience with that and biblically what that is. I know that that can be a controversial subject. But I was just teaching like what my experience was, because you can't argue with that. And, I believe, and also what the Bible says. And I was teaching on it. And... All of a sudden, I look in the back, and I see this guy kind of stumbling in. And this is a church of like 50 or 60 people, so it's not very big. It's an open-air church, and this guy comes stumbling in the back. And I'm like, hmm, he looks like he's been drinking a little bit. And then another guy comes, and then I see three more come in, and then I see two more come in. All, all of Nacho's old buddies decided to come to church that night. <laughs> and I was like, Yes! You can see some of the people in the church like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, this is my kind of church service. But then I'm like, okay, now I gotta teach to these people in the front and teach to the people in the back. I don't know what to do. So I'm like praying, God, you gotta do something. Cause like, I can't go back there and help with these guys and help in the front. And I look back there and Nacho, this, the guy that was the old, former alcoholic has got other people with him and he's leading these guys in prayers of salvation and deliverance in the back. <laughs> it was awesome. It was amazing. He's like, Michael, I did just like you told me. I had him look me in the eyes and asked him if they, you know, I was asking what doors were open and all this stuff. I was like, yes, this is exactly what we want. We're multiplying, right? So that's happening. And, um, you know, I want to finish with Sarah and just some healing testimonies because I believe that God wants to heal. So um, I I really believe that like when I release the testimony, that's like the healing is released. So if I say a testimony, like the one I said earlier about the guy with his back, if you've got problems with your column, or your disc, or there's something that's out of line, or a slipped disc. Um, grab that testimony because I believe God is is going to heal you right now. Um, there were a lot of healings in the first service. Um, uh, there's a we were um, we had a big pastors' conference before we left, and we had a big youth event. And at the pastors' conference, I taught on healing. And see, most people have a, have trouble with the teacher, the teaching gift, because it's kind of dry. But I like to teach by demonstration. So before I even teach on healing, I stand up in the front and I say okay, someone's, I call it words of knowledge, and I just showed them what healing looks like, because then I said, okay, now we can all agree and we have, that healing is real, right, because you just saw all these people get healed, and it's a great way to start. Uh, you, you have their attention, I'll say that. Um, so I was like, I got, somebody's got something with their shoulder messed up, and it's like, it's, but it's, I, 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 you know, I tried being as descriptive as possible, and this lady came up to the front, and her arm was like this, and she couldn't, she couldn't move her arm, and I, I didn't even pray for it. It was one of my local leaders, which is awesome. You know, it's not like they're looking to the guy teaching, and he comes up, he goes, she got healed. Let her share a testimony. Well, apparently, she couldn't move her left arm for like three or four years. It was a long time. She couldn't move her left arm, and she felt pain like it was pressing down, and he prayed for her. Just be healed in Jesus' name, and it wasn't budging. So, you know, sometimes you just got to go a little deeper, like unforgiveness, judgments. There's different things that can cause healing. I, I've seen more healing when I've realized that. Like I go for the miracle, but sometimes you just gotta press a little more. You gotta just see. Uh, so this, this is what the case was with this woman. He goes, Did you, do you have any trauma or anything that's happened like really hard? It's, it's happened like around the same time that you got that pain. You know, three or four years ago, she goes, well, actually, my, I lost a child. A child died. And he goes, ah. Oh. And then my awesome pastor goes, are you carrying the load of that? He realized that she was actually carrying the literal load, like the burden of it, and it was causing her shoulder to go down like that. So he goes, we're gonna, ask, we're gonna pray to God. I think there needs to be some forgiveness. She goes, okay, Jesus, forgive me. He goes, wait, did you kill your child? She goes, no. He goes, then why are you asking him to forgive you? You didn't do anything to cause that child's death. He goes, but I think you're actually carrying it and blaming God for it. And, and, and she was like, I think I am. And you know, the religious thing is, no, I would never blame God for that. But sometimes when we have pain, we look to God like, why would you allow this? And so therefore we have hardness in our hearts and we can't receive from him. It's just, it happens. And so we don't forgive God. We just say, God, I'm sorry if I blamed you for anything, just release me. He did that with that woman and said, take this, just take this burden. And she immediately said, I can feel. And lift my arm and all the pain left. And she's crying. <laughs> I'm in. And so it's like the physical manifestation was something in the spirit. Like it was like, you know, when you carry a load, you carry like a, you're carrying something that caused your arm to do that. It's kind of crazy. I can't explain it, but. It was good discernment on the part of the pastor. <laughs> um, and then there's, uh, we had a youth, um, a youth meeting like the Tuesday before we came back to the States and it was like 300 youth in this room just going crazy. I mean, it's awesome to see youth on fire. I mean, I love it. Like, I love it. There's so much passion. You know, go to the Grace Midtown at eight o'clock service. You'll see just tons of young people going after God. It's awesome. It's truly awesome. And we had like 300 in this, in this um In this service, and they're going, you know, dancing and stuff. And this woman comes right up to me and she's like, Hey, um, I'm Pastor so and so's friend, some pastor I didn't know. He's like, Oh, he told me to come talk to you because he said that you could pray for healing. And my daughter has this tumor in her stomach. And but but the the doctor actually cut it out, but there's still this like growth. She said it was like a ball or some sort of like benign tumor, some sort of scar tissue or something that you could tangibly feel. And this was like a little, like 11 or 12 year old girl. Of course, she didn't want that on her stomach anymore you know and so i was like sure we'll pray for her so i got the woman and i said we went outside where we could hear because was so loud and i said to the girl like feel it do you feel where that i didn't want to i didn't really want to touch her she was a little girl i didn't want to touch her belly I said tell me is, is it there the, the ball and she said oh yeah it's there and i said mom can you confirm too and the mom touched it and she says oh yeah it's there i feel it i said okay look i told the girl put your hand over it and i told the mom put your hand over the girl's hand and i said "Now, here's what i want you to do just receive don't try to pray. Don't pray in tongues. Don't try to just receive. God's going to heal you because it's a good, he's good and he gives good gifts and healing is a gift. And I just said, be healed in Jesus name, dissolve. And you could see the girl kind of like do this thing with her face, like, whoa, you know, and I was like, what's going on? You know? And she said, well, when you prayed that, I felt this like breath of wind hit me from behind, right in the same spot, like on the opposite side of where the growth was. And I was like, okay, we'll test and see if that, see what's going on. She's like, It's not there anymore. She's like shocked. Like, what's going on? And I go, mom, check it, check it, test it. Because I want to, you know, we don't want to say that someone's healing or not. And I was like, mom, test it, test it. The mom goes, she's like pulling her shirt to the side and feeling, she's like, it's not there. And the mom starts screaming and falls on the ground crying. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) So, yay God. Last, I think the last one I'm gonna share is, um, I I I showed a video last, uh, on the the first service. But, um, so like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like when when healing starts flowing, I said God just starts moving. It's like, you you gotta go keep going because it's like he wants to keep moving, I feel like. You know, like it starts with one and then goes to another and goes to another. So I'm kind of outside during the teaching, but God's just healing all these people that are coming outside. So we just stayed out there and um, a friend of ours brought over this. He goes, hey, I brought a friend of mine here and he, um, or a guy from my church here, and he has, he can't move the left side of his body. And I was like, all right. We'll go for it, you know. <laughs> that's you know, and I was like, he's like, yeah, he had a, he had a. I found out later it was a brain hemorrhage four years ago, and it literally like paralyzed the left side. Of, no, it's the right side of his body, because that's yeah, I'm thinking of the video. Right side of his body. So for four years, he hasn't been able to speak more than just maybe a word or two max. He hasn't been able to move his like right leg, like it's literally like he has to drag it like this with a cane, and he hasn't been able to lift this arm, so he has it in a sling. And it's, I mean, you could just see the guy, it was hard to watch because he, he was trying to walk around and he had his like fiance with him and she was telling me how he used to be very intelligent and it kind of, they, they were just, they were believing for a miracle. And so we started praying for him, me and um, a friend of mine, we were praying for him and he falls out. And I'm like, all right, I think that's God because I didn't, I mean, he just <laughs> f- fell backwards and I was like, I hope that's God. And because um, we were like trying to hold him up, you know, like, but he was like, I mean, I mean, we, we, we kind of gently let him to the ground. But um, so we start praying for his legs and his arms and like we start moving his, my friend starts moving his leg back and forth. He's like, dude, if he's getting healed, he needs, he's, he doesn't have muscle memory. He hasn't been able to move in four years. So we need to start showing him like muscle memory. So we started moving his legs and his arms. And then we, this is what happened. <laughs> You don't need the translation. (laughs) He couldn't walk without a cane. He couldn't say more than a few words. He had a brain hemorrhage four years ago. If you look at his right leg, he's bending it and he's holding that arm up that he couldn't do previously. I think that's it. So, <laughs> so that is amazing, right? <laughs> and you can see on his face that something happened because he was crying. And so basically for four years, he couldn't walk, couldn't move, couldn't say words. And he was saying words. And I watched him after that, you know, and he's going to have to continue to strengthen his muscles because if you don't walk for four years, but he just sat there in the chair crying for the rest of the night because God had touched him and he'd been healed. So that's happening in Mexico. I'm going to make a plug. There's a trip to Mexico in October. You heard about it. The Bethel School Supernatural Ministry team came in March, and they saw all kinds of miracles. It'll be a week. You'll be with us. We're, um, we're actually an Irish base, so we fully move like as uh, Irish global, and God's doing amazing things. So if you want, sign up. Email Lauren Brownlee, and come on. <laughs> That's all.
2: So that's what we're all a part of. Their breakthroughs your breakthrough. Our breakthrough is their breakthrough. So we'll close with this. There's something let uh, I me mean, I want to take a few minutes next time we speak uh, and just share about whales, but there's something God's doing in the church. You can see, you've heard how the identity message is coming that we're all sons and daughters. Intimacies through worship. We're all experiencing that. And he's sending a message that all can hear his voice, all can prophesy, all can pray for the sick, all can heal the sick. And he's bringing evangelism back to the church. It's coming. It's so strong. And so we went, uh, Lindy and I, the reason we went was really to check out uh, an evangelistic movement that felt like we'd heard, it sounded better than normal. Let's go find out. And don't have time in this service, but just to say, we'd go out with uh, 20 minutes of training, an hour of prayer, an hour of soaking, an hour of worship, just one hour. <laughs> and it sounded like three or four, didn't it? <laughs> one hour. Couple, ten minutes of training. And not a group of pastors or evangelists, everyday people in the church would go out for one hour, 12 to 1, in the marketplace. It's awkward. It takes, I'm a, I've been in sales. It's, it takes courage to walk up to a stranger. But we get through that comfort zone, get through that little bit of fear, and we started seeing people receive the Lord basic, old-school, four spiritual laws, evangelism explosion, nothing fancy. Forty people went out for an hour. Thirty people made decisions for Christ in an hour. The next day, 40 people go out for an hour. Fifty received Christ. And in Wales over that time, 10 days, 3,351 people, just 120 churches, normal people, going out for an hour. He's laid, And I just saw a glimpse, like what he's doing with his bride worldwide, but us specifically, that it's going to be part of our call, our DNA, our home, who we are that we are all, all of us, generally, normally just leading people to the Lord. That's who we are. That's going to be a characteristic of this family. And he gave me a glimpse of a, the church that's coming where 10, 15% of this church and many others are are filled with new believers. Can you imagine a church of, five or six hundred, 50 or 60 new believers here. We'd all be called on to disciple and help out. We'd all be involved. We would not care if two or three people go to this church or transfer. We got more than enough we got to take care of. We need people's help. That's where the church is going quickly. 30 years ago, there was no healing in the city. Almost none. It's changed. We're on the front end of this piece happening. You watch. He's layering it into our lives and into our churches. And There's a harvest coming, and we're going to figure out how to do this together. So we went to see, is there something on this? Is the Holy Spirit on this? And he was. We led a lot of people to the Lord in just four one-hour segments. And we went on your behalf. It's, you'll hear more about it. But I'm so excited. It's happening in our midst. That's who we are as a people. It's our family DNA. We'll end with a scripture, Philemon, Philemon, verse 6. It's a one chapter, one chapter Bible book, and verse 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I pray that we're all active in sharing our faith, and there's a carrot at the end if you do it, so that. You will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We go share our faith, you get a better, full understanding of what you have in Christ. I saw, I saw people's objections like a swamp, like there's a million objections as. as Society goes down. There's a million reasons not to accept Christ. And as you and I are proclaiming the gospel, as we're preaching the good news, all of us preaching the good news, what it's causing people to do in this swamp of confusion is they're making decisions. Even the ones that were saying no to me, it was bringing clarity they were people were having to get on one side of the river or not. The swamp was becoming a river. As some said, "Yes, I believe," and some said, "No, I don't." And the land was actually being healed. We, we sang earlier that we dance on injustice. There's something a healing in the land as you dance on the injustice. As you proclaim the gospel, you're taking a swamp, and, it's, and the land's getting clearer. That's who we're going to be. It's it's actually brings healing to our country, our land, as the gospel's going forth. Sat sat next to a homeless man on a park bench, and sharing no our faith, and he told me all the reasons why he didn't believe. I just said, do you mind if I share a few verses? Shared a few verses. The gospel, the power of the word of God. Now would you like to accept this, Lord? Yes. What happened to all the excuses? He didn't believe the excuses. He just said them. God's grace going out. Sat by an 89 year old man, walked him through the gospel. Would you like to receive? Yes. The grace of God. Maybe he had a few months, maybe he had a few years, but God loved him so much, he gets one more chance to hear the gospel. Yes. It's who we are, it's our family DNA called us to reign in life. We sang about a jubilee. Jubilee is not just about also getting out of debt. It's him canceling the debts of people. Salvation is jubilee. And and God's heart was set every 50 years, just all the debt go away. he liked everybody to get saved that year. That's who we are. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.